Good morning, everyone. What a blessing and what a joy it is to gather together for worship on this James 127 Sunday. And we purposely put this on Father's Day so that as we give thanks for the fathers in our lives, we may remember also our ministry to orphans in this world and those who do not have a father. And that is the church's call, and that is what we have desired to focus our eyes upon every year in this James 127 ministry. I want to thank uh, Jeremy for ministering to us, for leading this ministry. Thank you, brother. God is using you to bless and to encourage the church through your example and leadership. And uh, thank you, Kenny, for coming and sharing with us. That's a, just such a great blessing to, to hear from these opportunities to serve and and Nate and, and Ed and everyone else who's been involved in Emancipated Youth Ministries, thank you, brothers and sisters, for encouraging us. That's such a great uh, blessing and joy. And for our time around God's Word, we, we want to turn attention to the Scriptures, and I want to invite you to open your Bibles to Luke chapter 14. Luke chapter 14. And I want to just give you a very frank confession this morning that I feel... Uh, very unqualified to speak to you on a James 127 Sunday. And this is not false humility. I'm turning 40 this year. Some of you didn't know that. Some, some people are surprised by that. I'm turning 40 this year. And by, when you uh, turn 40, you become well aware of what your strengths are and what your weaknesses are. And you be, kind of become aware that your weaknesses are going to be your weaknesses, and you can work on them, but you are who you are. You are who God has made you to be, and so my weakness is basketball. I, um, I've just come to terms with that. I used to go to the gym and try to shoot free throws and try to get a little bit better, and um, I just come to terms with that's just going to be a weakness of mine. Uh, it's not going to change. Uh, I'll do my best, but that's my weakness. Uh, my weakness is cooking. I can cook maybe two, two things in life enough to keep myself operating without my wife for a day or two, but it's just not something I'm ever going to be an expert in. And as I came to this whole subject of James 127 ministry, uh, every year as I've sat under the teaching and come to this Sunday, I've been well aware that this is not a strength for me. Personally, this is a weakness, and we all have strengths, and we all have weaknesses, and I'm not speaking to you this morning out of my strength. I would love it if God had given to me just, like he's given some of you, just, he's just blessed you with just this incredible heart of compassion, and you minister to children, and children just, just come and hug you, and and you just are gravitate toward these, these ministries of mercy. And I would love it if God gave me that kind of strength. And I've just come to terms to realize that, you know, God has given me some strengths, but that just isn't one of them. That, you know, I go to children and they don't feel loved by me. <laughs> I, I try to love them. And, you know, some of them run away. And it, it just isn't my thing. I, you know, some of you lead 
children's ministry and you go and you teach the class and you're like Michael Jordan. I mean, you're just like, you just got it under control and these kids are laughing and they're with you and they're learning and they're blessed. And I taught one children's ministry at a retreat. It's the first time I volunteered and it's the last time I volunteered. because I lost complete control of the the class and there were shoes flying around the room and kids were out of control. And and I just came to terms with, you know, I have strengths and I have weaknesses and this is not my strength. Um, Children ministry is not my strength. Orphan ministry is not my strength. Caring for orphans is not my strength. This is a weakness. And I even, I felt this weakness so keenly as I prepared for the Sunday that actually a week ago, I asked Jeremy, Jeremy, can we just get a guest speaker? Because, you know, this is not, I think someone else could speak much better than I can on this subject. I think there's people in this world, there's pastors we can invite who just do this much better. They're just like really gifted at orphan care, and I'm just not, God just hasn't given me that, and, and can we just get someone else to come and speak and he prevailed upon me to, to just share my heart with you, and, and that's, this is my heart with you, is that this is a weakness for me. This is not a strength. And I was just thinking that if there's any reason that God would allow me to give you the message on this James 1.27 Sunday is because I believe there are many of you in this church who you feel like me that when it comes to the topic of caring for orphans, this is not a strength for you. This is a weakness. You look at the servants in our church and you look at families who are giving their lives in foster care and adoption and save families and yeah, you're encouraged and yeah, you're blessed and yeah, you say that's awesome and that glorifies God but there's almost this sense of disconnect where you just kind of feel like, gosh, I just, God has not, given me that strength. I mean, that just seems so intimidating. I mean, there may be some of you this morning where you're looking at the photos and you're saying, man, I just can't see myself at a ministry like that. I wouldn't know what to do at an emancipated youth gathering. I mean, what do I do? Do I talk to someone? Do I serve food? I mean, I feel awkward. I I wouldn't feel like that's my strength. And maybe you're even looking at people like Josh and Marta Mack. I mean, bless their hearts in South Africa. They've got eight children, and a number of them are adopted, and they've started an orphanage. And yeah, you're looking at their ministry, and you're blessed, and you're encouraged, and you're saying, that's great, and praise God, but man, I could never live like that. I mean, it's like watching Tiger Woods hit a golf ball in his prime, or it's like watching Michael Jordan shoot a three-pointer, I mean, you're blessed by watching it, but you kind of feel this disconnect that those guys are real spiritual, and they have something I don't. I mean, they're just, God has given them an extra measure of grace, and, and they're gifted in ways that I'm not. And maybe many of you, you feel like me, that this is a weakness. It's not a strength. And maybe you even feel left out on James 127 Sunday that you saw this on the calendar and you're like, oh no, not another message on orphan care, not another message on something that I'm just not good at. And you may even feel left out, like there's sort of this James 127 club at our church 
like people who are really gifted in this way and, and they're just really compassionate. And even you look at the deacons and man, they're just so good at this. They're just so good at just caring for people and loving people. Man, I'm just not like that. I look at my own life and, you know, God's gifted me in theology and Bible and maybe doing admin stuff. And, you know, admin people, we're not, we're just not wired to, to just show compassion Mercy and people sometimes tell me, you know, Dan, I love you, but I don't feel loved by you. You know, and I'm, I'm trying, brother, I'm trying, but I, I, just don't, I don't feel loved by you. I mean, I'm, I just come to terms with, well, God hasn't given me that warm and fuzzy, uh, whatever that is. And you're saying this morning, Dan, this is a weakness. And if there's anything that maybe God has allowed me to come and give you the message this Sunday, is maybe. I can encourage those of you in the church who feel like me. And I can encourage you that it's okay to have weaknesses. And maybe I can encourage you that it's okay if even this area, this ministry is your weakness. And maybe I can encourage you that God can use our weaknesses. That if you go to a ministry and you feel uncomfortable, you go to a James, you go to an emancipated youth ministry, you feel awkward, you don't know what to do, you feel out of place. How's God going to use me? I just don't have it together. I don't have the social skills. That God can use you in your weakness, possibly more than He can use your strengths. Because in your weakness, that is when you're just saying, Lord, I'm here. I don't know how you're going to use me, I don't know how you're going to bless me. I'm available. I'll do whatever you've called me to do. And I just want, my prayer was just, if I can speak to many of you this morning in this church who you feel that this isn't your thing. You may feel like theology is your thing or even church ministry is your thing or even service in practical ways is your thing, but this isn't your thing. And if I can in some way reach out to you and speak as a brother who feels the same way and encourage you that if we can take one step of faith, all right, that's all I'm asking this morning is for people like you and people like me. If God could use this Sunday to move us to take one step of faith, I'm not asking for a leap. I'm not asking for a jump. I'm not asking that you go out and adopt eight children. I'm just saying one step of faith outside of our comfort zones, outside of what we're used to, what we're familiar with. If God could use this message to encourage us to take one step in our weakness and just rely upon Christ, then maybe I could go to, to bed happy tonight and thankful that God would have used me and my weakness to encourage you because I'm speaking today out of my weakness, not out of my strength. And if there's anything that I want to encourage you with from Luke chapter 14, verses 12 to 14, it is this, that this type of ministry and this type of service, James 1.27 ministry, it's not a ministry 
for super Christians. It's not about having a certain type of personality. It's not about being gifted in an unusual way. It's not about even receiving a special call from God. But this type of ministry, mercy ministry, orphan care, caring for the least of society, this is just being a regular Christian. That's all it's about. It's just about being a Christian. Nothing more, nothing less. It's just about serving Christ. Service, plain and simple. That's what this is about. And as we look at the words of Jesus in Luke chapter 14, verse 12 to 14, we're gonna see that Jesus teaches us how to have a heart of true service and a heart of true service is caring for the least of society. So let's read together from the word of God this morning, Luke chapter 14, verses 12 to 14. Jesus said also to the man who had invited him, when you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. You know, Jesus was in the home of a prominent Pharisee. He had been invited there by a number of Pharisees and they had invited him there in order to test him because they wanted to see if Jesus would heal on the Sabbath. Verse two says that there appeared before Jesus at this man's home, a man who was afflicted with dropsy. And dropsy was an affliction of fluid retention where man's limbs and his body would be filled with fluid. So here comes this suffering man into the Pharisee's home and they're watching Jesus to see if Jesus will heal him on the Sabbath. And verse four says that Jesus healed this man and sent him away and left the Pharisee speechless. He answered their objections by simply healing the man. And the Pharisees were left dumbfounded at the works of Jesus Christ. Now, Jesus is on a roll here. There's momentum building. He's rebuked the Pharisees through his profound miracle. But as he continues to correct the Pharisees, he moves on to address their pharisaical pride. He says in verse seven that he saw that the Pharisees were choosing the places of honor at their gathering, that when they gathered for dinner, they were seeking to gather, sit in the place of honor because that was their means of exalting themselves. And so Jesus rebukes this Pharisee's pride. And he says, when you are invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not sit down at a place of honor but he instructs them to take the lowest place so that the host will invite them to the place of honor. 
Now what Jesus is doing here is he is establishing a principle that is operative in his kingdom. And that principle is the principle of humility. He's saying, you Pharisees, you have it all wrong. You fight for prominence. You fight for honor. You fight for prestige. You want the highest place. But my kingdom operates on different principles. If you are in my kingdom, it is humility, not honor. It is lowliness. It is sacrifice. It is being self Effacing. So verse 11, Jesus says, For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Now as Jesus addresses the guests of reception, and he addresses the guests and tells them to take the lower place, now in verse 12, Jesus addresses the hosts of the banquet. And he instructs those of us who would host a meal. And I just want to draw you, your attention to three distinct marks, three beautiful marks of a true servant of Christ as Jesus speaks these profound words. The first quality of a true servant of Christ is that true servanthood gives without expectation. True servanthood gives without expectation. Jesus says in verse 12, when you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors. Why? Lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. You're saying, Dan, what's so wrong about that? That's how I like to live my life. I like to have birthday parties for my kids so that my kids can be invited to birthday parties. I like to have people over at my house so that they can have me over at their house. I like to throw parties for people so that I can be invited to parties. What's so wrong about being repaid? And what Jesus is saying is that if that's all you do, is if all you do in your entire social life is you just give dinners for people who will one day repay you, then you are no better than the Pharisees. You are just like the world. You're just living in pride. If your social circle is only your friends and your brothers and your relatives and rich neighbors, and you're just doing things for them so they can do things for you, then that is not living according to my kingdom because the principle of my kingdom is lowliness and humility. Now you're saying, Dan, wait a second. Are you saying that I can't invite my friends over for a meal? Are you saying that I can't invite my relatives for a dinner? And that's not what Jesus is actually saying here. The verb do not invite is in the present continual tense. What Jesus is saying here is saying when you have a dinner or when you have a meal, do not merely invite your friends or your neighbors. Do not exclusively invite those who can pay you back. You know, you're gonna go through life and you're gonna invite your friends, you're gonna invite your neighbors, you're gonna invite people close to you, but don't let that be the end all be all of all that you do in your life as you serve. When you give a dinner or a banquet, Expand your invitees beyond your friends. 
expand your invitations beyond what you're comfortable with. Because what you want to do as a true servant of Christ is you want to serve people who cannot pay you back. That's the point in verse 12, what Jesus is saying. You want to make sure that if you're in my kingdom, that you serve people who cannot pay you back. And it's almost as if Jesus is putting a danger sign upon the way that we live our social lives. And he's saying, warning, warning. Are the people that you are serving only people who can pay you back? Because that's just how the Pharisees lived. And that's no different from the world. That's just you scratch my back and I'll scratch yours. That's just you honor me, I'll honor you. And Jesus is saying, the people in my kingdom serve those who cannot pay them back. What is true service? It is serving without expectation. It is serving without any strings attached. It is serving people who you know do not have the resources to give anything back to you in any way. And brothers and sisters, this is why I say James 1.27 ministry is just about being a Christian. It's just about being a Christian. Because who are the people in our society who are the least likely to pay us back? Is it not orphans in our society? Are they not among the least likely people to be able to pay us back? I mean, I'm sure one in a million, you'll get a a case like The Blind Side, the movie, where you care for an orphan. He grows up to be a famous millionaire football star in the NFL. And they make a movie about you, and Sandra Bullock plays you in the movie, (laughs) and everybody honors you for your great endeavors. And I'm sure there's going to be a one in a million case like that, but by and large, for the most part, when you care for an orphan, you're caring for someone who cannot pay you back. And Jesus is saying, that's exactly the point. That is the point of being a Christian. We minister to people who can't repay us. We minister out of simply the love of Christ. We minister because Christ loves us, because Christ forgave us, because Christ saw us and he saw us when we could not repay him. Listen, what could we give back to Jesus for all that he's done for us? I look at Jesus and I say, Jesus, what can I give you in return for the love that you have shown for me? I mean, you died for me. You paid your your blood for my sins. You forgave me of all my sins. What have I given you? I've given you nothing but my rebellion, my sin, my iniquity, my judgment, my hard heart, my cold heart. That's all I have to give back to you. And yet you gave everything for me. You gave everything for me. You knew, you knew that I could not repay you. And what Jesus is saying is that 
this is what being a Christian is, is you were the orphan that God loved and set his compassion upon when you had nothing to give. Oh, you were the helpless one who could not repay God, who could only give him your rebellion and your sin, and yet he gave to you not only his time, not only his affection, not only his compassion, but he gave to you his very own life. This kind of ministry is just being a Christian. It's just about reflecting the love of Christ that Christ has given us. And brothers and sisters, as I look upon many of you, many of your families who have opened your home to orphans, who have opened your home and say families or foster care or, or adoption, or you've opened your homes to care for those who cannot pay you back. And what I believe we have seen in your lives and in the culture of our church is that the more your homes have been opened to orphans, the more the gospel has been pictured in our midst. That we have come to see the beauty of the gospel in a way that we could not in any other way but by caring for those who cannot pay us back. And so first of all, let me just encourage you with this, that true servanthood is giving without expectation. Secondly, let me encourage you with verse 13, that true servanthood is giving to the least of society. True servanthood is giving to the least of society. Look at what Jesus says in verse 13. He says, don't just invite your friends or your brothers when you give a dinner or when you give a meal. But he says, when you give a feast, verse 13, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. Now this is just a truth that is so critical for our church. This is a truth that is so critical for your lives. And I'm not even talking about orphan care. I'm not talking about any kind of ministry. I'm just talking about you and Jesus, just your relationship with Jesus. Are you walking with Jesus? This is so critical for your relationship with him. Who is it that Jesus Christ spent the most time with when he came from heaven to earth? and he served in ministry. Just read the accounts of the gospel records and ask who is it that Jesus focused in on in ministry? Did he spend his time with the high and the mighty? Did Jesus spend his time with the celebrities of the city? Did he hobnob with the politicians? Did he seek the limelight? If you read the gospel records, what you will find is this, that when Jesus Christ came from heaven to earth, he spent most of his time with the lowest of society. He spent most of his time with the lowest of the low. Why does Jesus say here, invite the poor, invite the lame, invite the crippled, and invite the blind. Because that is exactly the kind of people he spent his life with. That is exactly the kind of people that he came to serve. 
he spent his life with the lowest of the low. Matthew chapter four says they were bringing to Jesus demoniacs, epileptics, paralytics, and he healed them. How would you like to live your whole life surrounded by people who are ill and afflicted with demons? Matthew chapter 15, verse 30 says of Jesus, and great crowds came to him, and they brought with him the lame and the blind and the crippled and the mute, and they put, him at, put them at his feet, and he ministered to them. You know, this was the passion of the heart of Christ. It was to minister to people just like these. And his heart of compassion was so amazing that even his disciples didn't understand it. You remember in Matthew chapter 19, when children were brought to Jesus, and children were considered in those days the lowest of the low, and the disciples saw these children as a massive interruption. They rebuked the parents and told them to leave the premises, and Jesus said, let the children come to me. Let them come to me. For to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. You know, this was the whole thrust of the ministry of Christ. It was to minister to the low. It was to give his life for the lowly. And what Jesus is saying in verse 13 that is that if you're in my kingdom, I want you to reflect my heart. If you're in my kingdom, I want you to express my love. If you're in my kingdom, I want you to express my priorities. When you give a feast, invite the poor, invite the crippled, invite the lame and the blind, invite people who cannot pay you back. Because this is exactly where my heart is. This is why I came, is for the lowest of the low. You know, when you look at Jesus and he's ministering to people who are low, people who are blind, people who are lame, don't just look at that with some kind of detached emotion. Because realize that that is the story of you and of me. We are the low. We are the lowest in society. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26, for consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were powerful, not many of you were of noble birth, but God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak to shame the strong. We are here because Jesus loves the lowly. I'm a Christian today because Jesus cares for the weak. And if you and I understand that in our salvation, this is the kind of life that we will live in this world. And I love what Jesus says in verse 13, look at it. He says, when you invite the lowest of the low, listen to this, this is a promise. He says, you will be blessed. Right, you will be blessed. We could talk to the members of our church who served in safe families. We could talk to the members of our church who've been involved in foster care. We can talk to members of our church who've adopted children or been a part of emancipated youth or provided respite care or just even came alongside a family ministering this way and just loved them and served them and prayed for them. We can talk to them and they will tell you the same refrain in each story. They 
were blessed. They were blessed. They will say that God taught me things in my spiritual life that I would have never learned any other way. And as I opened up and took this step of faith, God blessed me in ways that I could not expect. This is the calling of the church, is to care for the least of society. We could add to this list the orphans in our society because they are those that the world will not care for. A Pharisee will not care for an orphan because a Pharisee has not been touched by the grace of God. A Pharisee will not care for an orphan because the Pharisee does not see himself as the orphan. And yet we who have been transformed by the grace of God, this is our heart, is to care for the low. Can I ask you this morning, is this your heart? Is this your heart? Because the disciples of Christ, sometimes we just don't get it. You know, the disciples of Jesus did not understand this. Jesus hammered into them over and over again. My kingdom is humility. My kingdom is lowliness. My kingdom is servanthood. My kingdom is for the lowest of the low. And they kept saying at the end of their life, they were still arguing over which of them was the greatest. This has to be hammered into our heads time and time again. The principle of Christ's kingdom is different from the world. So true servanthood is giving without expectation. True servanthood is caring for the least of society. And then thirdly and lastly, let me encourage you with this, that true servanthood has an eternal reward. It has an eternal reward. Not an earthly reward. Not a reward from people you serve. Not a reward from the applause of men, but an eternal reward that you will keep forever. Jesus says, when you invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind, you will be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. You will be repaid on the future day of resurrection. Now I'm gonna resist the temptation this morning to launch into a discourse on my, one of my favorite subjects in the Bible and that is eschatology. Because I love the second coming of Jesus Christ. I mean, even this week I was just praying in my own personal devotions and I was just praying, Lord Jesus, come. Just, um, just even so, come Lord Jesus. Maybe today, Lord, that you would come and just show the world who's boss. And just declare your, your power and your glory and your exaltation and show the world that you reign and you rule and end the rebellion and end the sin and the suffering and just rule and reign and bring restoration, peace and joy. And I was just praying this and I don't know when Jesus is coming back, but if you're a Christian, that is your heart. I mean, you long for the second coming of Christ. You just long for the day when our faith will be sight, when Christ will come back. 
and he will rule this world with a rod of iron. He will rule on this earth in a literal 1,000 year kingdom and he will establish his supremacy for all to see. We long for that day. We long for the future glory of Christ. And Christ is showing us in verse 14 is that the longing of the Christian for the second coming of Jesus, the longing of the Christian for future resurrection is not just a theoretical notion. No, it has practical effects upon how you serve in this life. Ministering to orphans does not make sense if there is no future resurrection. I mean, how are you gonna be repaid? Who's gonna bless you? How on earth is this gonna mean, uh, be profit to your life if there's no resurrection? And if there's no second coming, then you will have very little motivation to give your life in this way. Can I put it this way? Your ministry to orphan and my ministry to orphans is only, will be as only as strong as our eschatology. It is only as our hearts are fixed and focused upon that future day of resurrection in which our bodies will be raised from the grave and we will be united with Christ. And on that day, Christ will reward us at an event that is known in the Bible as the Bema judgment of Christ. He will evaluate our service. He will evaluate what we have done and he will give appropriate rewards for the things that we have done in this life. Yes, we are saved by faith alone, but the faith that saves is never alone. It always results in works. And what the Bible says, is that when we fulfill the works that God has already ordained for us to walk in, that there will be a reward on the day of future resurrection, and that reward we will keep for all eternity. Listen, some of you are serving in Pebbles ministry, and you are getting very weary in your service. You're saying, why should I come and just give my heart away and, and spend my labors I've been doing it for a couple years now and I'm getting tired. Or you're ministering to children. Or you're at the point where, you know, James 127 ministry, it's not a novelty anymore. I mean, it was real cool the first few years and, but you know, we're in our fifth year now and it's starting to lose its novelty with you. What is gonna give you sustaining power in your heart? to keep on serving when you are not repaid, to keep on giving when nothing comes back to you, to keep on spending your life in lowly service. And I would say this, it's what Jesus says in verse 14, it is the doctrine of rewards on the future day of resurrection. Listen, the Father sees the service you have done even if no one else in this world will ever see it. And the Father will one day appropriately reward every act of service that we have done in this life. Jesus said in Matthew 10 that even if you give a cup of cold water to one of the least of these, you will not lose your reward. Are we ministering and serving in a way that can be only explained by future resurrection? Are we ministering and serving in a way 
that does not make sense unless there is a future day of reward that is coming at the beam of judgment of Christ? Or would the world say to us that your service is humanly explainable? I mean, you give to people who give back to you. You scratch people's backs and they scratch yours. Or can our service only be explained by the rewards that God has for us on the future day of resurrection? In the end, James 1.27 is, it's about being a Christian. It's about being a servant. It's about giving to those who can't repay. It's about giving to the least of society. It's about giving with an eye toward future rewards. And the reason why I say James 1.27 ministry is a ministry about being a Christian is because in the end, James 1.27 ministry is not just about being a Christian, but it's about Christ. It's about Christ. It's about Christ and what he has done for us in dying for our sins and redeeming our lives from our slavery. It's about about Christ, what he has done for us and adopting us as his children when we were once orphans. Dear brothers and sisters, if the Holy Spirit is moving your heart this morning to take one step outside of your comfort zone, just one step. And maybe that step is, it's just a step right outside these doors after service. And it's just a step to go talk to Kenny and just listen to his heart. Go talk to Nate and Jeremy and just listen to the opportunities. Or maybe it's just the step of praying for orphans, or the step of respite care, or getting involved in safe families, or just showing up at an emancipated youth ministry, even if you feel, even if you feel that you are not adequate. Listen, I think it was Woody Allen who said, right? 90% of life is showing up. Ministry of presence, just being there is one step of faith that God will bless. If the Holy Spirit is moving on your heart to take one step of faith outside of your comfort zone, would you just not resist that? Would you just say to the Holy Spirit, Lord, I am your servant. Here I am, use me as you will. And on that future day of reward and of resurrection, We'll hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. Would you bow with me in prayer and let's close our time together. Our Father, on this day, we thank you for Christ. And we thank you for how Christ has so loved us. Lord, we were the orphans in this world. Lord, we were the ones who could not repay you. 
We were the ones, Lord, who were helpless. We were the blind. We were the lame. We were the ones who were spiritually crippled. And oh, Lord, Christ came to die for us. Lord, Christ came to love us, to cherish us, to welcome us into his home. And oh, Lord, we bless your holy name for the beauty of our Savior. Lord, help us to respond this morning to the teaching of your word. Holy Spirit, would you move us in the direction you would have us to go? I pray for the brothers and sisters, Lord, who feel like me, Lord. They feel like me this morning. They feel weak, inadequate. They feel they're not gifted. They feel they're not called. They feel that they're inadequate for this ministry. They feel that maybe that, that you won't use them. They feel awkward. Oh God, would you move people like me in this church, Lord, just to take one step of faith, one step of faith that you will bless, that you will reward in your time, that you will reward on the future day of resurrection. Lord, would you do this work for the glory of Christ so that our church would have more of a picture, a beautiful picture of the gospel of Christ and what Christ has done. And we'll give you all the glory and all the praise. We pray this in Christ's precious name. Amen.